If you have a Bible, I would like for you to join me in the Gospel of Luke and the fifth chapter, Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5, beginning in verse number 1. The Scripture says, On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. And he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put on, out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon, And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will be catching men. And when they had brought their nets to land, they left everything and followed him. Let's pray together. Father, help us now. It's your word that's alive and active. We're asking you for the grace that our minds would be alive and active to it. All the things in the world that our minds are drawn to, empty things, shallow things, foolish things, We're praying that you would help us to have our minds and hearts drawn to the holy word of God. And then, in seeing your word, we would be less inclined to be drawn to foolish and shallow things. Oh, Father, for the grace to see the power of your word. We're asking for it now in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as we're studying through the Gospel of Luke... At this time, Jesus is in a place called Capernaum. It's the hometown of uh, Peter and James and John, not where they're originally from, but where they've sort of settled and obviously set up a fishing business. It's hard work being a fisherman. And Jesus here um, begins to teach the crowd. One of the great lessons we learn, first off, from this text is that he doesn't just teach in synagogues on the Sabbath. He teaches out where the ordinary people are, so to speak. Or they're sort of going about their daily lives. But the amazing thing is here in the scripture, it says, on one occasion while the crowd, and that word crowd is talking about a really large group of people, that huge crowd was pressing in on him. Notice this, to hear the word of God. We've already been told that Jesus taught them as one who had authority. Uh, he teaches them in a way that their customary teachers don't do. If, if we want to kind of read between the lines, it's that most of the time the teaching from God's word that they're used to is boring. It's uh, hard to endure. It's dry. It's, it's, it's drab and so on and so forth. Prayerfully, hopefully you're not saying, well, I can relate to that. But on this occasion, when Jesus begins to teach, they're drawn into it. And I just want to commend the Word of God to you. This is how the Word of God ought to be. The Word of God is alive. The Word of God is active. If, if you find it boring, the deficiency is not with the Word. The deficiency, I say in all respect, is with us. It's our hearts clouded by sin clouded by foolish things, so more drawn into uh, things that really in eternity aren't going to, going to matter. But on this occasion, uh, the, the people are drawn in. And as we work our way through this 
few verses. I'm just going to divide it into four sections. I always like to say on the front end where we're headed so you know. And uh, on this sermon, we sort of lucked out it's going to be alliterated. All going to be seized. We're going to talk about the context. We're going to talk about the command Jesus gives. We're going to talk about the confession Peter makes. And then at the very end, we'll talk about the commitment that Peter makes. So let's start with the context, where we are and what's going on. In this stage of Jesus' ministry, it's near the beginning. You know that his ministry lasts, public ministry lasts about three years. So this is in the beginning stages. And what we'll notice as we uh, uh, trace the arc through the Gospel of Luke is in the early stages, the crowds are going to come. We see this in verse 1, a huge turnout of people. Now, the longer Jesus' public ministry goes on, the crowds, by the way, are going to get smaller and smaller and smaller until the point when we get to the end of the Gospel of Luke, and even his best friends have, have turned around and, and run from him. So that when he's crucified, there's just a handful. In fact, Luke will name them by, or give them by name. There's going to be, well, his mother Mary, Joanna, the mother of Joseph, Mary Magdalene. These are the ladies that are going to be at the empty tomb on the day of the resurrection. It's just, a, it's just kind of a handful. And it's interesting to note that the more things change, the more they stay the same, is that while Jesus is doing miracles and um, uh, helping people, lots of people come, there's going to come a moment when his, in his ministry he begins to make demands and say, if you're going to really follow me, you're going to have to leave everything. Guess what's going to happen to the crowds? They're going to get smaller and smaller and, and smaller. And that's still, by the way, very much the case. A crowd of people in this country would identify themselves as followers of Jesus, but in reality, when we talk about what it really means, when you leave everything and you forsake everything and no other gods before him and so on and so forth, the, the, the crowds actually get smaller and smaller and smaller. In fact, Jesus gives a pretty clear warning in the Gospels where he says, on the day of judgment, many are going to come to me saying, Lord, Lord, and he'll actually say, depart from me, I never, I never knew you. So as we study through the Gospel of Luke, one of the most beneficial things that we can develop is an understanding of Jesus on his terms, what he says about himself and what's true about his ministry in accordance with what actually happens. Now here in the, here in the context is he's teaching and the crowd actually gets so large that he's sort of crowded into a boat and uh, the other thing we learn about the Lord is that when people want to hear he's flexible. He gets in a boat and gets out on the water and these are days before you know microphones and sound systems and so on and so forth and actually the lake Sort of, a, sort of a natural amphitheater as he begins to teach and the crowd's on the shore, the voice can bounce off the water and, and, uh, and is more easily heard. What we learn is if people want to hear the word of God, Jesus is flexible in providing an atmosphere where that can, can happen. He says he saw two boats by the lake. These two boats belong one to Simon and others, James and John. It says, getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the people from the boat. Now, again, back in his hometown of Nazareth, he said, here's my purpose. I've been anointed by the Spirit to preach good news to the poor. And what does that mean? To the economically poor? No, it means to the poor in spirit, to the humble, to those who understand, spiritually speaking, we're not bringing anything to the table. And here is a specific accomplishment of that mission. Here come people, they want to hear. You know, this is a crowd that's not looking at their watches, waiting, when is this going to be over? When's he going to finally get to his last point? They want to hear the word of God. And so Jesus says, I've been anointed by the Spirit to preach good news to the poor, and here the poor come, and they've drawn near. That's our, that's our context. Look at the verbs in the first three verses of Luke 5. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him, 
to hear the word of God. He was standing by the lake. He saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. And getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked to be put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people from the boat. So what we see here is they've got a real hunger for it. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. They shall be satisfied. Now, I don't know what it is in your life that you're hungering for or desiring. I think that you would be wise to take some inventory and say, if, if whatever I'm going after I actually get, what's it going to ultimately lead to? What is it that you'd say uh, draw near to, you press in on, so, so to speak? Be careful what you wish for, you might actually get it. That's, uh, that's one of the warnings of the Scripture. So he's a practical teacher. He gets into the boat. So first of all, we've seen the context. And then secondly, let's see the command. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. So a couple, a couple of statements. One, he says, we're going to have to leave the shore. We're going to leave the shore. We're going to go out to the deep. Now, I don't know about you. I, I kind of tend to like to stay near the shore. Uh, I've not spent a lot of time out on boats, but you get out on a boat and you, you lose sight of the shoreline, I would tend to start to get a little nervous. But Jesus says, you're not just going to go out there for the sake of just putting your nets in. What's the point of the command? So that you'd get what? Get a catch. He says, he says if you go out there, set down the nets, you're going to get the big, big catch. And uh, here we begin to be introduced a little bit more in detail to the personality and disposition of this guy named Simon. We want to we observe a little bit about him because he's going to be sort of a major player from this point forward. Well, the first introduction we had is that Jesus was invited to his house and Jesus healed his mother-in-law. And so here's the second scene. You got to love Peter um, because he always is willing to say something. So, so Simon answered, Master... We toiled all night and took nothing. So, I don't know if you know anybody like this, but what Peter seems to be doing is he, he seems to want to kind of protect Jesus from doing something wrong. Uh, he, he's, he's saying in a, in a polite way, we already tried that. We, we already did that. Now, what's Peter's occupation? He's a fisherman. What does Peter know more about than he knows about anything? fishing. So he comes to this interesting point where uh, if you read between the lines a little bit, in this interesting, Peter thinks that he knows more about a subject than Jesus does. Now you notice when Jesus is teaching, when, when Peter's boat is a pulpit, so to speak, Peter doesn't interrupt, Peter doesn't correct him, but the moment Jesus says, all right, we're done with the boat being a pulpit, let's go back to being a fishing boat, and you do what I tell you to do, Peter's a little bit more hesitant. Now, is there an area of your life that you think that you know more about and are a greater expert on than, than Jesus? This is where we get into some dangerous uh, territory. Now, again, we, we, would, we, we would probably, this group of us on a Sunday morning, we would say, yes, when it comes to teaching, when it comes to Sunday school, when it comes to uh, Bible study, the Word of God, it's sufficient for there. But then when you leave that place and you go, say, for example, Peter's instance, going to work, oh, no, we're going to leave that there. Because I know more about, now, whatever your job is. You're an expert at it, right? I know more about this than, than Jesus knows. So here's a real a simple application, and you've already made it in your mind. We don't know about anything more than Jesus knows. There's no area that we're experts in to a greater degree than Jesus. 
But culturally, we find ourselves in some situations where we're trying to say that. We're trying to say we know more about family than Jesus knows. We know more about marriage than Jesus knows. We know more about entertainment than Jesus knows. We, we, we know more about politics than Jesus knows. We know more about the economy than Jesus. And, and so we want to relegate Jesus to the boat of teaching. But then when it gets to the other, and may I say more personal areas of our lives, we'd say, well, wait, wait, wait. I actually know more about that than, than him. So, so here's what Peter says is, is he just kind of maybe even under his breath says, you know, Jesus, we, we, we were at it all night. As a matter of fact, do you see what they, they had been doing? We already given some information. It says up here in verse 2, He saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. So their work day is actually over, and, and, and really this whole process of washing nets is pretty involved. And, and um, lo, long story short, just cut to the chase, the last thing you want to do right after you've washed your nets is to turn around and start using them again until you're really ready to do the work day again. I mean, it's pretty involved. And so Peter had been there. Jesus had been teaching. Peter probably sort of been listening. <clears throat> and at the same time, he and James and John, they've been mending their nets. Nets get holes in them. They got to do all this work. And then Jesus says, all right, let's go, let's go fishing. And Peter says, I don't really know about this. Now, um, when Jesus gives you a command, what's your first response? Do you start to rationalize some things? So let's just take Peter's command here in his situation. Jesus says, we're going to go out to the deep and fish. Peter says, we just tried that. They're, no, they're not biting today. Now, I've not done a lot of fishing, but if you're an expert fisherman, you sort of learn the, the currents and the time of day and the times that you should go. And Peter's been at it. I mean, this is his area of expertise. Does Jesus ever give you a command and you begin to rationalize or you find something in the scripture says very clearly, go here or do this? And then you begin to say, oh, well, let me, give you a few, let me give you a few examples. Here's what Jesus will say about this time in his ministry, by the way. It's over in the Gospel of Matthew. Love your enemies. And then you hear that command, and you, but you think, well, he, he wasn't talking about my enemies. I mean, my enemies are really pretty hateful. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean? He was talking about somebody else. He must not know the enemies that I have. And you see how quickly it begins to be that we start to think we must know more about this than Jesus does. And, and, and the temptation is always to think of ourselves as the, uh, the exception. I can remember being in school, and some of you teachers know how this goes. You'll begin to give some directions, and all of a sudden these hands start going up. Well, yeah, 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 yes, but you said the homework's due tomorrow, but in my case, and so on and so forth, and so on. We just start to kind of slip. That's true for most people. It's like, um, it's like not long ago I was talking to a young man, and he was saying... Uh, he was saying, I can't believe how violent the video games are today. I said, yeah, they are pretty violent, aren't they? And then I said, well, what are you going to go and do? He said, well, I'm going to go home and play these violent video games. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Or he said, I can't believe how bad things are on television these days. What are you going to go home and do tonight? Well, I'm going to go home and sit and watch all those bad things on television. You see, this interesting dichotomy in a sinful heart is we can project what's wrong for everybody else, but then with ourselves, we say, yeah, 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 but for me, I'm the special case. You know, Jesus said, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Be one who strike you on your right cheek, turn him the other also. How about, how about the clear command of Scripture from the book of Corinthians? Flee sexual immorality. Flee it. Don't have anything to do with it. Don't get near it. Don't watch it. Don't be entertained by it. Don't, don't drag it on, drag it out. Flee it. Yeah, but. 
go, go, go into the deep, cast your net for a catch. Yeah, but, but we've sort of been at it. We've sort of been at it all, all night. Because when Jesus gives this command, first of all, it's inconvenient to Peter. It's just not a good time. Do you know what you'll find in your life? Obedience to the commands of Christ. It's never convenient. Not, not, not if you're not following him, especially. And then, secondly, it seems to be illogical. We, we just did that. Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. There's nothing to be had. But then Peter does at least have the sense enough that this last thing, but at your word, I will let down the nets. So, so he says, it's not going to work, but if you want to do it, okay, we'll, we'll go do it. So there's the command. It's inconvenient and it's illogical. And then again, Peter's assumption is he knows more about this than Jesus. Again, guard in your life and particularly in your work from thinking that you know more about closing sales than Jesus does. Uh, more about uh, whatever it may, whatever it may be. But at your word, I will let down the, the nets. And it would have been thought strange by all, all the people. Remember, where are we? I mean, there's a huge group of people around. This isn't something that Jesus is telling Peter to do in, in secret and in quiet with nobody watching. And by the way, that's how the commands of Jesus are going to go in your life. There's going to sort of be a cloud of witnesses. And when he says, love your enemies, the world's not accustomed to that. I mean, the world's accustomed to you go get your revenge. Somebody hits you on your right cheek, you hit him twice on his left cheek. But do you see when the crowd begins to observe that you are actually obeying the commands of Jesus, that's called witnessing. That, that, that's, that's one of the ways that you proclaim the gospel is that you don't live your life like everybody else, everybody else does. And then I want you to notice he says that you've got to go into the deep places. I would suggest to you that true biblical discipleship takes place in the deep places, not on the shore. You've got to get out, step out in some faith, get out into the boat, go into the, go into the deep Others would have been skeptical. Others would have thought this was strange. Perhaps the fishermen and Peter must have been saying, this is ridiculous and this won't ever work. And then look what happens. When they had done this, in other words, he didn't just talk about obeying the command of Christ. He actually did it. Do not think that I've come to abolish the law of the prophets. I've not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. Therefore, I tell you, not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. And whoever knows this law and does it will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. It's not just about knowing what the command is, it's actually about doing it. So, so, so after they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. They got more fish than they can hold. In fact, it says they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. You see, when you obey the command of Jesus and uh, you bear the fruit of keeping the command, actually what you want to do is you want to call others to do it too. This is also gospel witness. Prayerfully, as you follow Jesus, what you find out is, man, this is a lot better than being on the shore with the crowd. Everybody else is on the crowd and everybody else is standing out there, but here's where the action is, is actually following him, actually obeying him. Now what you'll find, however, just to, just to guard you, is that most people will always want to stay on the shore. Very few people actually want to get in the boat, and then even fewer still, when they're in the boat, actually want to go out into the deep. If you're going to really follow the Lord, you're going to have to step away from the crowd. We'll find this over and over and over again throughout the Gospel of Luke. Uh, but, but when Simon Peter saw it, in fact, it says they came and filled both the boats 
so that they begin to sink. That's a lot of fish, right? I mean, the, the, the fish are weighing the boat down to the point that they're about to be free because the boat's going down. But when Simon Peter saw it, so we've seen the context, we've seen the command, let's see the confession. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. This is the confession. I want you to see in verse 5, he called him Master. Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a title of respect. In verse 8, it's a title of worship. And there's two different things going on there. One, okay, we'll do it because you say, and we respect you, you're a good teacher. After it happens and the fish all come on board and, and Simon's now drowning in fish, they're flapping all over the place. He says, Lord, Lord. And I'm interested in you asking yourself that question in your life. Is Do you view Jesus as a master? Yes, someone to be respected, someone to sort of tip your hat in, someone to be respectful for and courteous to. Or when you think of Jesus, is he the Lord? He is the Lord, by the way, whether you recognize that or not. He is the Lord. And the book of Philippians says one day every knee is going to bow like Peter is doing here and confess that he, that he is Lord. The, the, the difference between master and Lord is a command. If he's just your master, just someone you respect, every once in a while you might do what he says. If he's the Lord, it's not up for discussion and it's not up for debate and it's no longer I think I know more. It's that I am in humility going to do what you say to do. Now, the fisherman has the greatest catch of his life. And I have to tell you, I find uh, Peter's uh, response pretty remarkable. Uh, What's his business? He's a fisherman, and he's just had the best day of fishing he's ever had. You would think, I mean, most fishermen, you know what they do, they want to take a picture, right? And then they Photoshop and make the fish look twice as big as it once did, right? You know, you ask a fisherman, "How how do your day fishing go? Oh, it was great, you know. And, and, and now Peter is a fisherman, and he's had the greatest day of fishing in his life. And he, his response is actually, depart, depart from me, Lord. Now, you can measure the character of a man or a woman by what they do when they're proven right. What they actually do when, when, when you were skeptical, perhaps this happens in your marriage. This is more applicable to the wives because you're right more often, right? So, 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 so when the wife is, is right, if the husband's right, if the, if the test comes back and hears, you, okay, you are right, is sinful inclination is to say, oh, you should have listened to me. I, I really knew what I was talking about. I can't believe you didn't listen to me from the get-go. You would just do better if you just listened to me. Now, Jesus has been proven right. Peter understands it. And in fact, it's happened in front of everybody. What is Jesus going to do now? Is he going to, in arrogance, cross his arms and say, well, from now on, Peter, you, you, you'll listen to me next time, won't you? Actually, he will listen to him next time. Peter's actually going to, at one point, step out of the boat in the deep and start walking on the water when nobody else will. So, so, so we don't want to be too hard on Peter. But Jesus' response is pretty remarkable. Uh, Peter says his confession is, Lord, depart from me, for I am a sinful man. And I can guarantee you this, there is one man, one woman that the Lord Jesus will never depart from. And that's the kind of man that Peter is showing to be in this paragraph. Uh, Ironically, the the man or woman who knows, Lord, I cannot stand in your presence. I can't even be near you. I don't deserve to come close to you. Ironically enough, that's the very man or woman that the Lord draws near to. That's what the scripture means, draw near to the Lord 
He will draw near to you. Peter says, depart from me. Jesus is basically going to say, I'm not ever going to depart from you, Peter. He says, for he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. There's three words that Jesus uses here that I want to give to you. And maybe you just need to take them in your life. There's three words Jesus uses that some people I believe in the room this morning need to grab a hold of. And here's the three words. From now on. This is the response Jesus gives when he's proven right. And what he does is gives Peter some amazing grace. He doesn't lecture Peter. He doesn't point out, Peter, you should have listened to me from the get-go. I can't believe when we were on the shore. No, 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 no. He just says from now on. And some of you probably this morning, what is it, March the 10th, 2013? March the 10th, 2013 for you needs to be from now on day. Because you've got something going on in your life. Perhaps it's a command of Jesus that you've just really not been obeying, the truth of the matter is. And I don't know what it is. I'll give you a few. We've already talked about love your enemies. He says, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ Jesus forgave you. He says, you will be my witnesses. You are the salt of the earth. City set on a hill. You're the light of the world. And if you're just honest, you say, well, I haven't really been doing that. You ready for three good words? From now on. Some of you are locked up in guilt and shame about something you did in the past. You want to know how the enemy, the world, the flesh, the devil gets two victories over you? One is by tempting you into sin to begin with. And if I asked you what's the, what's the great regret that you have in your life, most everybody can say, boom, here it is. And that's the victory that he had won was to get you to do it. And number two, the double victory is now you're locked up in guilt about it. You say, well, I can't really be used of God because I did this. Here's what you need to hear from now on. This is just going to be a new day. He came. He sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives. That's what he said. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me for that purpose. And here he says to Peter, you disobeyed me, Peter. You thought you were skeptical. Uh, but at least you had the guts to get out here in the faith at my word to set down the net. Now, Peter, from now on. And then I want to give you another encouragement is this isn't the last time Jesus is going to have to say something like this to Peter. Do you know Peter's life? There are going to be a, f- a few more from now ons for Peter. But praise God Almighty, he gives us more than one from now on. Not too long from now, Peter again is going to think he knows better than Jesus. Jesus is going to say, I'm going to go to Jerusalem and I've got to be turned over to the hands of sinful men and be crucified. And, P- and Peter sort of pulls him aside, sort of similar to this vein, and sort of says, Lord forbid it, may it never be. And Jesus is again going to have to get in Peter's face and say, Get thee behind me, Satan, is actually what Jesus is going to say. You're setting your minds on things of man and not things of God. And then a little while later, they're going to be sitting at the, at the table, and Jesus is going to say, one of you is going to betray me. And in fact, all of you are going to kind of run away. And Peter's going to say, clutching his sword, I'll never depart from you. And Jesus is going to say, man, before the rooster crows three times, you'll den- before the rooster rather crows in the morning, you're going to deny me three times. And Peter says, it will never be. And then the rooster crows the next morning. And the scripture says, Peter wept bitterly. After the resurrection, 
Here's what the Gospel of Luke says. The angel says, Go to the disciples and Peter and tell them what you've seen. And then they go, and at first they don't believe. And here's what the Bible says. You can look it up. Luke 24. Peter stooped into the tomb, saw the rags, and he went home marveling at what had happened. And then Jesus is going to come back to him again and say, Feed my sheep, Peter. Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? And then he say, oh, after the resurrection, Peter never messed up again. Yeah, he does, actually. The Spirit of God is going to tell him, you need to go to Cornelius' house and proclaim the gospel to him. And Peter's going to say, whoa, 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 wait a minute. I must know more about this than God does. That's a Gentile. I can't go to a Gentile and share the gospel. And here comes God again. What I've called clean, don't say it's unclean. You see it happening over and over in Peter's life. Now, Peter's used mightily by God. But it's oftentimes he's used after God has to come back to him again, correct him again, correct him again, and correct him again. From now on. And the Lord Jesus says, Now from here on out, do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. Last thing, we've seen the context, we've seen the command seen the confession now let's see the commitment it says when they had brought their boats to the land yeah that was probably a struggle to get there with all their fish they left everything and followed him their business is booming in fact their business is doing better than it's ever done before and what does it say they left it they, they never had any more fish than they've had this morning uh, than, than they have this moment and you know what they did they left it why simple reason Peter had found something that was worth a whole lot more than a boatload of fish. Now again, we'll come to this in the future, is after he's denied Jesus, you know what he goes back to doing? He goes back to being a fisherman. He says, I tried it, it didn't work. And perhaps that's where you are in your life this morning. Well, at one point in my life, I was going after it, I was studying. I just want you to know by the grace of God, today can be a from now on sort of day. God's not done with you. He's not given up on you. If you're a follower of the Lord Jesus, here's a promise from Scripture. I will complete the good work that I began in you until the day of Christ Jesus. I want you to stand with me, and we're going to pray. We don't have time to cover it this morning, so we will pick up here next Sunday and talk exactly what this means to be a fisher of men. How does that happen, and what does it do, and what does it mean? But just for our purposes this morning, I'm going to invite you to bow your heads with me. And an invitation, we do it different ways. Did an invitation a little bit different last Sunday and this Sunday. Is an invitation simply an opportunity to respond to the Word of God? And I guess as I studied this week, and I just wanted to land on this point, is on the, on the basis of the Word of God, are you in a point in a season of your life where you really just need to hear the Lord say from now on. Yeah, there's been this, 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 this up to this point. I'm talking about the Lord who loves you. The Lord Jesus who died for you. Who's crucified for your sin and raised from the dead. But perhaps you've drifted. Or you've been caught up in sin. Or you've just been consistently disobedient to one of His commands. And just by His goodness and mercy and kindness and grace, by the Holy Spirit and by the Word of God, He's drawing near to you today. 
And in a clear, strong, still voice, he's saying, do not be afraid. From now on, during our invitation, I'm inviting you to respond to his word, whether it's you want to come to the front and kneel and pray, you've got a burden or a concern on your heart and mind that you want to share with me, I'll be standing here as the pastor. If you just want to stay where you are, that's perfectly fine. We always like to say the only thing we cannot do during the invitation is to do nothing. So, Father, I pray in the name of Jesus for those who have been um, on the shore for a long time and have not stepped out in obedience to either get in the boat or especially to go out to the deep. Father, I pray for your grace to help us to understand to be with you in the boat A long way from the shore is a better place to be. Father, for those of us who are um, rationalizing in our minds reasons that we know better than you about obedience to your commands, I pray that you'd give us the grace to see that we're not a special or unique case in that regard. And really what we are are depriving of our, we're depriving ourselves of the joy of obedience. Not necessarily boats full of fish, but lives full of joy. And I thank you that Peter understood his own sinfulness and that his understanding of that preceded his leaving everything behind. And Father, if there's any of us today that there's something really specific in our lives that we're holding on to that is keeping us from following you, that we've not left everything behind, we've left everything but this that you'd give us the grace to see that that very thing that we're holding on to is robbing us of a greater treasure. Father, I pray during this time of invitation, you'd speak clearly to us for your glory, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.